What happens after a crash? On today's episode of Driven Too Far, we're talking about what happens behind the scenes after a safety event. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. On today's episode of Driven Too Far, we're talking with safety professionals Heath Richards and Brett Clyer, and we're going to talk about what happens after a safety occurrence on the road. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you bet. Glad to have you back. Uh, so, you know, one of the things I want to talk about is, let's say there's some kind of occurrence, safety event, if you will, uh, drivers involved in it. And I know there's a lot of questions. We haven't been, as an industry, always really good at sharing with the driver what's going on behind the scenes at the trucking company. So let's start there a little bit. The phone call comes in. What happens next? Well, I mean, I don't know. The, fir- the first thing I'm doing is making sure everybody's okay. You know, hope- hopefully it's not a fatality type of a situation. Um, that's A number one. But once you get that part out of the way, make sure that, you know, people are attended to there. That's when all the, the, the not so fun work begins, you know, contacting your insurance, um, tow trucks, all the, the, the customer, the freight, uh, depending on if it is a lease or owner operator versus a company driver. I mean, you could very well be dealing with three, three insurance companies just for your own side of the thing, not even counting the other party involved. So there's a lot of phone calls, emails, those things that need to get done in a very timely manner, because depending on the severity, you know, you might need somebody on scene. There's, there's just a lot of, a lot of phone calls, a lot of, a lot of emails and you have about a 24 hour window ish to get that done depending again on the severity i mean you may have to have drug tests done those all have different time limits you know alcohol eight hours you have a little bit more than that for for um a blood test for your drug test but you know those are those are some key time frames that you have to make decisions and work on and kind of to piggyback off that so you know, since we're talking the drivers out there, uh, thank you for all you do. I'll throw that little caveat in there. Um, but think of it as a flow chart. So when, when you call in because that occurrence happened, um, on our back office side, think of it as a flow chart. You know, we have that flow chart going of, you know, what just what is the driver um, reporting right now? And then that kind of takes us to where we need to go next. Is there other parties involved? Um, are there noticeable injuries you know and then it just kind of takes us to where we lead with more questions and more questions and i know they get frustrated you know but one quick thing to remember is we're not there you know and you are the eyes and ears of everything you're going to set the tone of how this occurrence is going to play out one way or another um so we ask these questions because we kind of need to know, because like Brett said, it tells us who, what parties need to be involved and where do they need to be involved at. And, you know, if if we need a drug and alcohol test, if we need a tow, you know, are, are, are they injured? Can the vehicles be driven away? Are we blocking traffic now where we're that, possibly that lame duck where we could be acceptable getting rear-ended? So there, there's a lot going on in a short amount of time. But realistically, when that call comes in, we're setting up the playing field. We're trying to figure out all the little intricate pieces of who gets to be notified, 
who needs to be notified. Um, you know, it's not the whole company. There are certain players that may handle certain parts. So, yeah, that first initial call, if you could think of it as a flow chart with us, that's kind of what we're gauging. And I'm sure Brett's team, like my team and all these other teams, we're all trained. We're all trained to take those calls, or you may have a department that just handles those calls. And if you have had an occurrence in the past, you kind of know that, Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Why they asked me this, and we went over here to this box, then we went down and we went across. And um, some of them are a little bit more hectic than others. Uh, but the main thing is, yes, like Brett said, we always want to make sure our driver's okay. That is our number one thing is, is our driver okay? Right. And then from that point on, it's a series of things that need to happen in a certain order. And you guys are uh, constrained by time sometimes where you've got to have certain things happen in a, in a certain amount of time. Uh, or it could lead to new new issues, I guess. Right. Problems. I mean, you know, like the drug testing and those right. types of things. Um, sometimes we don't find out the stuff that we need to know to drug test them. Uh, I know Heath and I have talked about this before, where the company policy, you know, drug test people, but yet it didn't meet a DOT required drug test. So then you have you have to make sure if you're drug testing, you're following. You know the regulations. The, the regs. I yeah. mean, you, you don't want to you don't want to fed you know DOT drug test when it didn't warrant a DOT drug test. Now you could do a drug test because it's an employee policy, but not necessarily a DOT policy. So let me ask you this: We've kind of we've we've dealt with the driver and the anybody else involved in the in the incident. Um, what happens to the equipment after that? Where, where does it go? Who handles that? So <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question, honestly, because it, I, I hate to say this over and over, and I'm sure Brett will do it too, is it, it kind of depends on that, that occurrence to where um, let's, just, let's just talk fatality. All right, let's just, we'll just talk fatality. If it's fatality, um, you know, that equipment's going to be towed and that equipment's going to be put on a record retention. Um, that may not be the legal jargon, but we're going to hold that equipment for all parties. Uh, because, because there's going to be an yep, investigation. There, there's going to be, and if we hurry up and bring it back to the shop, fix it up, and get it out on the road, you know, then we could run risk of exploitation of evidence. Yep, tampering and, with and evidence. And so, um, same way with the driver. You know, I, I need to get my stuff out. Well, you know, depends on how that comes in. Kind kind of tell you what you need to save, what you don't need to save. But um, you know, in our world that we do here at TSL, it's not always our chassis and our container that we're pulling so like like brett said several players we'd have a driver and then we'd have a, a a pool chassis which is owned by some company overseas and then we have a container with cargo that is owned by another one and i've seen it to where um we were involved in a fatality last year in utah and, and they put the uh container and chassis on a six-year hold holy cow and so that container and that chassis has to sit someplace for six years um little egregious in my opinion but it, it is what it is so you know to that point we won't see that thing for six years it, it'll stay but yeah if the vehicle's driv driven away um you know we're gonna direct the driver to get somewhere to get uh, damages fixed um but that that is kind of the, the big thing there with drivers is is you know if nobody's hurt you know can you drive those vehicles away maybe to a parking lot or, or to an off-ramp somewhere to where you're out of harm's way and we can kind of do that information exchange or, or call the police department to come out um 
but again, it's going to really depend on that occurrence as far as what happens to the equipment or, or the driver. You know, we may not we may not get to have contact with our driver because a they got hurt, and now we're really in the blind because you got this officer that's trying to tell you as little as information as possible. Um, you can't contact the driver. And so that's a whole nother problem in, in itself is now we really are blind at this occurrence. Um, and hopefully, it doesn't always happen, but hopefully you may have another driver in the area. You know, you may have a terminal close by, we can send somebody. Um, Sometimes you can get dash video yeah, if you have cameras, those types of things to help give you a taste, uh, a better idea, an idea of what's, what's going, going on. on. I mean, yeah. a lot of times you're flying blind, especially <clears throat> when that stuff happens, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning and you're just let, let me, in the middle of nowhere. Let me jump ahead here and just say, let's say we spilled the cargo all over the interstate or in the ditch or wherever it is and stuff. What's the process? Or maybe you guys have even had some experience of this. How does that get cleaned up? What does a cleanup bill actually look like? What do these tow bills look like if you upset a truck? I want to hear the numbers. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know what they are. The, yeah. the I want drivers can, to know what they the are. The numbers can be terrible. I mean, you know, yeah, so we've we've had one just just not too long ago where we, um, unfortunately, cargo was spilled all over the interstate, and it's. I'm still waiting for the bill on the cleanup on that one. Um, you know, you're talking five six hours to clean up. Where the interstate shut down plus there was damage to jersey barrier and this and that so from the state we're going to get a a bill um you get a separate bill from a record company for moving not only your equipment but also if they were the ones involved in the cleanup so i mean there's multiple stages of that and then just to get some of that so the cargo or in our case the cargo needed needs to go um, back to the shipper to get you know, x-ray, they were to make sure it's structural integrity and things like that, but it can't leave the salvage yard until all these other things are paid. But I've got three or four different insurance parties in to pay those things. So now we have to, all the hoops. so now we have to figure out who's responsible for what, and how much of everything is each party going to pay. And there's just a lot that goes into those back end costs that they're astronomical in sometimes. So, yeah, I mean, drivers, if, if, Unfortunately, if you roll the truck over or lay a truck over, because I've only ever seen one true rollover, um, and you're looking at least $20,000. The time they pick that truck up and that trailer up, uh, they tow it where they need to tow it, um, minimum twenty grand, right, right there. And then, like you said, cargo. Uh, another thing, too, that knock on wood we haven't had to deal with, I haven't had to deal with in my 14 years is a hazmat cleanup. Right. You know, you got That's that, a whole nother level. That is a That's whole nother thing level. because it, it, but it, you know, it happens. You, you rupture that fuel tank, um, you know, or you're carrying hazardous materials and that stuff gets on the ground. Then, then we're easily talking six digits um, because you're at the mercy of the environmental protection agency when they do their tests this that and the other so you know when cargo we have a cargo response team so anytime there's an occurrence uh with cargo that team gets notified right away and that team will will either drive or fly out to the location um we had uh, we were involved in one last year a fatality in utah uh, full load of meat going to the port 
and we had our cargo team out there within 10 hours um, assessing it and had the transload started, I think, within 11 hours um, and resulted in no cargo claim because we were able to uh, get it going that quickly. But however, just to clean up that, you know, yeah, they're our in-house team, but that still there was over 10 grand because we had to find additional trailer because yep. you just don't have a trailer out in the middle of Utah. Um, and then find a place that could store it so we could turn around and offload it onto another container so it could still meet the time for the ports. Um, and all those costs you don't really think are associated with it, but they are to get that true cost of that occurrence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets spendy fast. So what's the big deal? I mean, really, just turn it into insurance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn it into right. insurance. Right? Yeah. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's some people probably out there thinking that, well, that's why you have insurance and you're right. But there's costs there. There's there, there is costs there. So, you know, some carriers have a uh, self-retention clause, mm-hmm. uh, self-insured retention. Um, some carriers will have – some carriers are self-insured. Um, and then others, they have that self-handle. So – you know, you may have a uh, self-handle clause that you handle the first half of your deductible. So if your deductible is 200000 you self-handle the first 100000 So necessarily you don't turn it into insurance. You may give them like a report only or information only. Yeah, hey, right. we had this, but we're handling it. Um, and, and also, too, drivers, you, yeah, you got insurance turned into insurance, but what you don't realize is they're tracking everything. Every not only for thing. us the carrier on how they're going to rate us at renewal time but also that driver and before too long we're going to get that letter saying hey heath richards is no longer insurable under abc insurance company so then that gives you the hard decision what do i want to do god Heath is a really good driver been with me 14 years you know yeah he's had a bad year but if i keep him on I run the risk of not having coverage for any other occurrence. Um, and it's real-world stuff that these drivers don't think about. Ah, it's, it's insurance. Turn it into insurance. Turn it into insurance. Yeah, that's yeah. the point I wanted to make. It's, and, and it's it's not – it can come back. And even if it's – even if you're on like a um, – oh, um, it's a uh, probationary period, right, where you may have been involved in three occurrences in the last year. Um, two of them were non-preventable, one of them was preventable, but, you know, insurance, okay, well, they've had a pattern here. Um, you, we suggest that uh, you, you, they're not insurable, but you keep them. Um, and then they go a year and they have no occurrence. Then you fight to get them off that rejection letter and you get them into probation and then they're involved in an occurrence where it wasn't their fault, but yet you got that letter again saying, "Hey, you gotta you gotta do something because we're not going to insure them anymore." Yeah. Um, and then you have to make that tough decision of is this one person worth everybody? And and ninety nine point nine percent, it's no, they're not. We have to look out for the company for the greater well, good for the greater right. good of the whole yeah. company. And Debbie, so, yeah. does that that that's kind of where it you know leads into like negligent retention and those types of things it's a driver that is a great person you know or or is a good good individual does things right but they've had this pattern and unfortunately attorneys love patterns and you know you retain them and then god forbid they have something 
in a very short time period again, there could be a potential fatality or something like that, something more catastrophic. And then you just jeopardized everybody's jobs because you retained one. one, one. So those are some real, real tough decisions that we all have to think about. So talk a little bit more about negligent retention. I don't know if drivers have heard that before. What does that mean? It's, you know, the great thing of having all this information. It's also the curse of having all this information. I mean, now we have a pattern. We have all this history of how you drive or the fact that you're a tailgater and a tailgater and maybe we've coached you and you're still a tailgater. So that's all going to come out in, and, in and litigation. Yeah, all of nothing, that. We, Nothing's sacred. No, they, they say, you know, MVRs, you know, if you get a ticket in California, are they going to report it to Nebraska, you know, or your CSA, you know, crash data stays on five years, roadside violates two years. That stuff may fall off, but it never disappears. You know, right. my very first fatality that I was a part of as a safety director, um, they brought up stuff from this driver in the mid-90s that he had got ticketed in New Mexico for following a placarded vehicle too closely. That had nothing to do with the occurrence, but they were trying to pin me for negligent hiring, that I negligently mis dismissed all of that stuff. Well, that was in the 90s. It was, not, it was not on any reports that I ran or was required to run, so how was I to know that? But that's one of the first things they're gonna try to do is go after negligent hiring. And, and drivers, I can tell you this um, from experience, when that happens, the person's name that they're going after is the safety guy. It's not you, the owner. It's it's not you, the driver. It, it's the head safety person is who they're going after. And so, like me, they went after me civilly, not criminally, civilly. So I'll never forget this because they wanted to know my wife's name, what my wife made, if we owned our house, how much I had left on the mortgage, how much I paid. Uh, they want to know all my kids' names. They want to know all my assets because what they were trying to do was if they could get me for negligent hiring, they could sue me and, and get rewarded money for first, it. Yep. And first year into it, I had no clue about this. I was like, they're going to do what? I ain't, I ain't got, what did I get I ain't got a pot. Right? I ain't even got a pot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm a safety guy. Come on here. But just so you and really to tell the drivers that it's it's you know yes personal experience but to let them know that a lot of this stuff these decisions that are made they're business decisions nothing's ever personal they're big decisions they're, right. they're huge decisions. decisions and so you know you could have that great company culture driver that one that's been there a while this that and the other everybody knows them by name this that and the other and unfortunately there's gonna there could be a time where you have to part ways for the better good of the company and the driver. Um, but you, you guys need to know that, you know, that we don't just have this personal vendetta. You know, we're not like on Billy Madison. We don't have a couch with lipstick and a list. Right, we right. don't. We're just looking, like Brett said, at those patterns. How are we attacking those patterns and how are we trying to stop them? Um, and, and that's where we try to avoid that negligent hiring, that negligent retention lawsuit because there's a civil and a criminal side i think that's a lot of things the driver yeah, don't lost really, a lot. It, it does is there's there's two always two types of a lawsuit there's yep. the criminal and the civil and, and both of them can get ugly um and, and that's what we have to watch out for people like you that's why you put us in our position so um you can let us worry about that <laughs> stuff right do you own your house yet 
<laughs> I still own my house. Yes. Well, the bank still owns it, but I still have my house. I mean, it, it was I, I was solid with what I had done, and um, this happened 2011, so many years ago. Uh, multi-person fatality. They wanted millions and millions of dollars. Sure, they're coming off um, everything they can. You know, driver, uh, and this is another thing. Drivers too is you may not be ticketed at the scene. Yes, but this particular big. driver was ticketed 45 days later. Um, a lot of press, a lot of publicity, a lot of force on that DA to do something. Yeah. So he wrote a ticket. Uh, we were found not guilty. Um, and I learned a life lesson. I'm like, all right, we won. And the lawyer says, no, they just weren't able to prove that you were guilty. I'm like, okay, that's a different approach to look at it. But So the driver was found not guilty. There went the criminal side. Then the civil side um couldn't get us on negligent hiring uh and at the end of the day it w- it was settled for under 300,000 but but it was a lot of hard work and a lot of rock solid files and and documenting this that and the That's other why right. the safety department documents everything and uh, yeah, you know, I think yeah. sometimes the drivers don't understand why you're doing all the things you're doing behind the scenes but that's why yeah i mean if you don't have your documentation in a row you're 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 up a creek and yeah. taking on water fast because that's they're just going to pick you apart i mean it's there's so much just like uh, all the technology the drivers have got there's a ton of technology that you know that we have to look up the camera data all that stuff if you're not documenting your coaching and you're not documenting that you're trying to improve these behaviors then it's just going to look like, oh, look at all this. They got 500 following distance videos. This company doesn't care about safety because this company didn't talk to their driver. I mean, they will paint to a jury, you know, that we They'll are. twisted anyway. Yes, they can. absolutely. Yeah, the old reptile theory. Yes. Big time. So let's, uh, let's jump ahead to the drivers. Let's say the driver's been involved in an incident of some sort, and in the back of the driver's mind, he's like, what, okay, what's going to happen to me? What's the process look like? Am I in trouble? Am I going to get fired? Walk us through some of that stuff. I mean, I think, unfortunately, they all think they're going to get fired. Um, and I know the last thing I want to have to do is fire somebody. It's a whole lot easier to retain and coach and those those types of things um but it's not a knee jerk i can't tell you i can't tell you three hours or some three days after an accident are you getting fired or not there is some investigation that has to be done i mean there's a lot of things that interview with the driver get his side or her side of the story um check police reports check the video check the other parties deal with insurance i mean it might be a thing where okay company wise but then like we just discussed um the the insurability factor there's outside things that we can't control so much on that so it there's a there's a lengthy process i guess the quick answer is i can't give you a definite time frame when when yes you could be fired or no you can't um but they need to understand that it takes time this whole investigation process takes time because the last thing I want to do is tell you your job's safe and then come back. Oh, sorry. Well, you got to get it right. Now I can't, now I can't hire you or hire you and then go keep or retain you and then be scratching like, Ooh, that was a, uh Oh, now if they have something go wrong, 
maybe the other 60, 70, 100, whatever drivers are not going to have a job. So, I mean, you have to look at the whole, the whole picture and that that's tough at times. It is. And, and I may be a little weird by saying this, but I'll say a little fear is good. Yeah. You know, if that driver has that fear that, am I going to get fired? That, that, that truly kind of shows that they care. Concern. Yep. Yeah. Right. You know, if you have that willy nilly attitude, then that's not a good fit. But if they, if they have that fear that I could lose my job, then you know that it wasn't willful neglect or, you know, willful misconduct. They truly had an occurrence and, and let's work together. Um, but also drivers, you know, whatever company you're with, uh, listen to this. A lot of times when, like someone in my position, when you have a, a severe occurrence, I'm not going to talk to you. Okay. And I'm, I'm not going to talk to you until after things are resolved. Um, and it's more to keep that communication separate, meaning that I'm going to be the one that's going to be deposed. I'm going to be the one presenting the facts. And the last thing I want is to get mixed in with you through all your stuff um, right away. So it's not that I don't want to talk to you. Um, it, it's just better for both of us to keep that separation. And then when I've give, been given the green light by legal or whoever it may be, then I'll come back and we'll talk about, hey, this is what happened. This is what we need to do. This is how the investigation went. But But I get that. And I've seen some other uh, friends of mine that are in the same role. You know, the drivers just get so, well, he won't even talk to me. Well, it's not that I do not want to talk to you. It's at this moment I cannot. So don't read too much into it. Yeah, yeah, don't read too much into it. Please don't. We're just trained in a way that we keep ourselves as far away as we can from it until we can't anymore. And it's mainly on your major ones um, where there is potential for litigation. Right. Uh, That's why don't talk to everybody and their dog roadside when you get into that occurrence. Right. I, I know drivers love to talk. There's nothing wrong with that. But when it's roadside, you get into that occurrence, it's short and sweet. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. You know, don't tell your whole life story out there because you get rambling and, and then it, it just, it's somebody heard it. Somebody has a recording of it. And then it makes our job a little bit more difficult. You kind of reminded me of something. So that, that's a great point, you know, to give the drivers a tip not to say too much, you know, keep to the facts and keep it to only speaking to certain people that you've been authorized to talk to. Correct. But what about, it always seems like uh, an incident has happened and, and it wouldn't be that unusual to hear about it from other drivers on the yard in the terminal that it's almost like some of the drivers know about it before some of the company officials know about those things. So what would you say to drivers, you know, about controlling the message? Yes. Yeah, you got to control the narrative, right? Um, and how can that come back to haunt them and the company? Well, it's rough. I mean, it's, I don't know. I, I'm going to liken this to the fact that I've got teenage daughter and social media. I tell her, you know, be careful what you put out there. So was there because it's never going to go away. Uh, it's kind of the same way. I mean, you know, we are not at the scene, so I'm going to ask the driver take photos. Okay, so those photos that driver has, whether they send them to me, they still have them on their phone. Please don't share them with other people. I don't know how many times on you know a minor occurrence or something this that, but you'll hear like you just said around the yard. Oh, did you see so-and-so's truck? I saw a picture. This is, 
well, wonder where the picture came from, right? You know, and and then it it evolves into its own story. Well, so and so did this and this and this because you saw the picture, and then we've got all these people that think they know what's going on, and it makes one of those minor things a big issue, um, and it takes a lot more work for the safety department to put those fires out because we got to contact those people and say. Please do not share that photograph. Please do not talk about this. This is still under investigation. I mean, it's it's a lot more work to handle the situation. Um, just made more work for everybody. And right. And there's new risk. Now. Right. Absolutely. Now your exposure is, you know, tenfold. Oh, yeah. So you, you have that occurrence and, and essentially you could just limit it to three people. Yourself, the person on the other end of the safety department, and then the head of the department. But you start sharing information one you know i i never could understand why they'd want to share it because then it just kind of shed that negative light on them and get that either. Yeah. you know we have that occurrence you know it is what it is but now you send it to randy joe bob and sam and then you start talking to your dispatcher dylan about it and then you start talking to mechanic kevin about it you know well now i get that uh subpoena in the mail and it says, please list everybody who had contact with Heath Richards on this day. Well, now we went from just two people, other than the driver, to 12 people. And those 12 people now have to sit under oath and answer questions. And do you really want them answering questions on your behalf? And they weren't there. They weren't witnesses. Right. They don't know anything about and it. And maybe they don't like you. Exactly. I mean, so why? Or they thought that you got too light a punishment because they didn't know all the facts. You know, they just heard that, oh, he ran off the roadway and wrecked a truck. Well, they didn't know that another vehicle come and hit our rear duels and knocked us into the road. All they heard was that. So now it's like, well, why are you keeping that driver? He just totaled a truck. You don't know the whole story. More of the story. Yep, right. it is. So, yeah, it's very important, and that's why – you know, a lot of us try to just keep that communication. You know, our dispatchers know if they see that occurrence in the uh, roadway email and it only goes to the dispatcher that of that driver, they know. They don't talk to in um, about anything about the accident. They say, nope, got to talk to safety, got to talk to safety. And it's just to keep that exposure as low as we can. And sometimes it slips through the cracks and a dispatcher email hey such and such just called me it was like why didn't you send him down oh, I, I completely spaced it off well now that dispatcher doesn't know he's in it now too um so yeah that that is huge uh it is you know talk to your wife you know you you can talk to us you, you're gonna have those flashbacks you're gonna have those I just need to talk to somebody. You know, a lot of companies have EAP programs. Right. Yep. You know that that are great programs. We don't have them just to say we have them. We have them because we want employees to use them, utilize that. That's why we have that stuff. Uh, but you know, I, I think uh, a lot of times drivers try to put on that big show. Oh, I don't need that. I don't need that. You know, we all do. I, I don't care if you've been driving for forty years. You're the CEO. You're the VP of safety. We all need somebody. Absolutely. And, and so. Um, use your programs, R really do. Use your programs. Don't use your buddies. Don't use your fellow drivers. Please, 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 because that's only going to make our job a little bit tougher. So if I was going to kind of circle back and, and wrap everything up, I guess, uh, you know, accidents and incidents and, and occurrences and events, it, it's serious business, and everybody needs to take it like it's serious business. It can affect 
uh, the company both short-term, long-term, and it can definitely affect you as a professional driver, uh, maybe right now, and it, and it could follow you throughout Absolutely. your career for, for quite a while. So make sure you're taking those things serious and uh, keep your circle small if you do have to uh, share some details with somebody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, keep it keep it in-house, so to speak. And you know? like he said, you've got your contacts in safety or your safety director, safety manager, whatever that title, um, person, yourself, the law enforcement officer potentially at the scene. And that's about all you need to talk to. Yeah, and, and we want to get it right on our end because there's a lot of players, but also this has – a tremendous effect on your your future right you know did we get all the facts was it preventable was it non-preventable you know i know i utilize the ata preventability guidelines um but then okay does that qualify to go on your record does it not go on your record um can you dispute that can you not dispute that so does it follow you in your employment history yeah. and, and will it, it affect, affect you? you getting a job in the future nine out of ten times yes yeah you yeah. know so get it right the first time so because we're trained enough that we don't judge on opinions it's it's what are the facts black and white in front of us and, and that's why it's very important uh pictures is one think of it as an oil funnel start wide and go narrow i don't want a picture of where the two vehicles kissed each other that does me no good i want to see the whole scene back up and then i want you to just funnel down to that contact point because there's something there that we're trained to look for that you the driver will never pick up that's just how our training is and and that little piece could help us you know the call and say well i didn't get pictures of the other vehicle well why not i just spaced it off it's like well i'm pretty sure that when we took the report we told you these are the pictures we need and you said yes or no, you had them. And now all we have is just pictures of our damage and not the other vehicles. And it was a lane change, so the camera didn't pick up anything at night. So now it's we're back to square one again. Yeah, that's the yeah. other half of the story. The other exactly, involved, exactly. So, yeah. Because we won't easily get those photos. That's the problem. I mean, they're going to hold those because that's, that's their, their, their defense, so to speak. Well, I hope we gave uh, the drivers and listeners out there some good tips and, uh, you know, how to handle things. If if you are involved in an accident, incident, or event down uh, down the road in the future, and we certainly hope you're not, but um, just follow directions from your safety professionals and, and listen to what they tell you, and they will get you through uh, the situation for sure. Thanks, thanks, guys, for joining me today. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Driven Too Far. Want to learn more? Hit us up on our website, driventofar.com.